0: I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be.
1: Ah, good afternoon.
2: And welcome to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. I'm your host, Kristen Schellnessy, and with me today is Karen Kimsey-Ford. We've got a great guest for you today. We're going to talk to, uh, I'm sorry, to Chris Coleman of True North Restoration. I apologize. I'm coming to you with a cold today, so please bear with me. But first, before we get to Chris, let's talk about Word on the Street,
3: Karen. Sounds good to me. Been looking, been scouring, trying to find some some new news out there. And yeah, a lot it's of- a little... It's a little quiet at first, didn't it? I know. I know. There wasn't much going on. And, you know, you know, one of the things I was taking a look at, I was looking at national restaurant news and, you know, they always have some, some good good articles. And there's been so much about the economy, the impact of the economy in you know, restaurants, food service business. And um I always like to look for good news because there seems to be there's always like in it right, there there always seems to be not yeah. so good news these past months, especially third quarter. And mm-hmm, I found sure. some glimmer of good news. Oh, really? What did you find? Do tell. I did. I did. So, you know, m- most most of the restaurants, you know, have seen really kind of a decline in kind of uh, traffic gains. Yeah. And and so um, two restaurants that that are kind of different from each other have reported traffic gains over four percent. And I'm not going to let you guess because we've already talked about this. Those right. two restaurants are Chipotle and Texas Roadhouse, and I just thought that was an odd combination, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, totally, because you and I agreed, like, well, I go to both,
2: you know, you don't necessarily go to both, and so we t- tried to figure out between the two of us, what are
3: some of the things that they're doing differently? Exactly, exactly, and so I loved it because the article, you know, one of the things I thought was interesting is they would say when there's like a, if there's like a recession, and you know, when they talked about like 2008 and and that's even now, a lot of restaurants start focusing on like value, value meals, discounts, coupons. And what's interesting is these two these two restaurants or these two groups they don't focus on that. No, and they, it, they, they don't. A value a different way. Yeah, and what's interesting
2: about that is that um, I can't say that their prices have not gone up and their portions have got, portions have gotten smaller because I have noticed that. I Thank mean. You. There's a certain one that I always want lettuce in my bowl, and I have to ask, like, three times, can you please, like, take out the rice and just put in the lettuce, right? And so that's just my own little pet peeve. But, you know, part of what we saw in this article going forward was a lot of the engagement uh, for one of the brands with digital, right?
3: Yes. Yeah. If you think about Chipotle, and, and I am a frequent visitor to Chipotle. It's right across mm-hmm. the street from where I work. And I will tell you, it's very, not only very convenient, it's fast. And one of the key things, and, and this is where they really get to, because I think one of their key audiences that taking a look at this, it is like 18 to 24. And, you know, I don't, I don't I'm not in that age range, I will tell you. Yeah. Um, and, and so, it's the mobile. Because you could literally pay, you know, you can place your mobile order. And the interesting thing is not that you could just place it. When you go in, they have special staff working on it. You know, right. how many times have you tried to order something mobile app and then you go in and you're waiting, 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 mm-hmm. rubber. And they've got a system down where they're taking care of both the customers and the store, which is me because yep. I don't do the mobile app. <laughs> but I feel like I get taken care of and the mobile customers, they're taken care of as well. And I think that's, I think mm-hmm. that, that's a key thing. Don't you feel that
2: that is one of the things that um, during COVID, position some of these companies who embraced it to really help move forward because you know their biggest segment really of out out di- of dining out for everybody right now they're saying is generation generation z 73 percent of gen z are heavy restaurant users which is crazy i mean i am too because i'm lazy i i don't like to cook but um but even even they're finding ways to cut back right and so i think that as we talked about all these mobile apps and things you know if you could go up and like at mcdonald's i go and they go are you using your mobile app today and i, I always fall for it because i think it's a real person it's just a recording kills me every time i start talking to them and they're like oh i'm sorry can i help you i'm like Ding, they got me again um and i know what's happening right but what, for me, I'm getting kind of mad because I love that if I gave them my mobile co- code, I would get my iced tea for a dollar. Well, now they got rid of that option. So now it doesn't matter where I go. Today was to Portillo's. I'm not getting a dollar iced tea at McDonald's anymore. So I get a little chapped when it, when they make these offers. They have these promos and they get rid of them. But most people aren't like me. They're not impatient. Most people love that stuff. And what we
3: have talked about, which I think is crazy, is that that's not at all what Texas Roadhouse's model is No, I mean they don't. You know, again, if you take a look at their audience, because I was looking that up, mm-hmm. you don't fall there, but it's over like I think 64 or something like that. It's more of the more seasoned people.
4: That's mm-hmm. their
3: yeah. their. <laughs> so <laughs> that audience in general, they're not about digital, but they really define value in a different a different way. So it's not about the coupons, which you might think. Right. About.
1: You know, mm-hmm.
3: So it's more about the whole different business model of service. You know, they right. talk about legendary service. They sure do. You know, and, and they're all about priding themselves on food quality, friendly service, get that okay. affection. And, well, and that's what made them stand out.
2: I will say in terms of um, speed to get my food and the level of service, I like to sit at the bar because there's a lot going on. I can watch the TV listen to the music and watch the funny videos and stuff all at the same time because it, the ADHD is just fed perfectly in that environment, right? But I'll just order. Next thing I know there's somebody coming up behind me with my food, and I'm like, whoa, already? Like, I need to get my taste buds ready. It's really fast. They're all really, um, really friendly. And the best part about it is when somebody has a birthday, they get to sit on the saddle. And there, there you
3: go. go. <laughs> Have you got to do that, Karen? Because I know you don't go there, but I think I have, I've never been. Yeah, but well, I will tell you now. Reading this, and I, now now the saddle just sent me over the edge. I'm gonna have to go. Just gotta, I was
2: thinking, <laughs> Ray and I are gonna take you there for your next birthday. We're gonna take you there in this big old suburban. We're gonna get you on the saddle.
1: I love we'll it.
3: Over the whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: So you know, but if you think about this, that is, I think even you know whether it's Chipotle, you know whether it's Texas Roadhouse. It is about, don't you think, really trying to hone in on what's important to people. Yeah, and I think some of, these, some of these brands don't do that. Yeah. You know, And then they're cutting people. The food's not that good. And it's overpriced. And then yeah. they're wondering why they're not doing as well. I'm not saying everybody. But I right. just, I really applaud these two brands for really focusing on kind of thinking about value in a different way. Yeah. And then just driving that value home to the customers.
2: Well, and the one value I'll end with this is that. One thing I really like about going to Texas Roadhouse is they all have those shirts that say, I love my job. Now, okay, they're forced to to wear that, I'm sure. But it really does, like, make you think, like, oh, wow, I wonder how much they really like it. And my kids have friends who work at Chipotle. They love it, not just for the free food. But, again, that's about getting your staff, get, getting them involved, whether it's through feeding them when they're working, whether it's through these fun shirts and they get to sing and hoop and holler and be crazy all day. I mean, that's building that environment where people want to be. And when the employees are having fun, the employees are nice, the consumers want to be there too. Absolutely. So, well, hats off to consumer, to uh, consumer chief Louise. <laughs> I told you I'm sick. To yes, morning, and, and <laughs> the Texas Roadhouse. If I had a cowboy hat, I'd tip it to you. But great <laughs> job, and ho- hopefully best of luck for strong fourth quarter sales as well. Absolutely. We'll be, we'll be right back with Chris Coleman and True North Restoration after this.
5: Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or with a Y.com.
2: And welcome back to another episode of Pillars of Franchising, and as promised, today we bring you Chris Coleman, who's not only the CEO, but the founder of True North Restoration. And I have to tell you, Chris, I love talking to founders because there's something bigger that drives you. Not that all CEOs don't have something that drives you, but when you found a company and you go into franchising it, there's like this overwhelming passion that tends to spill out from your pores. Tell us who you are, how you got here, and all about that crazy passion
0: you have. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be on the the show here. Uh, just real quick, I went through when, when uh, you invited me to be on. I went back and looked at uh, some of the people that you've had on this podcast in the past, and thought, "Oh my goodness, I'm this is amazing company. What did I do to deserve this invitation?" <laughs> So some of the people that I would, I'll honestly say that I learned a lot of franchising, a lot about franchising from the people that you've interviewed before here. So again, thanks for having me. And and quick correction, I'm not the CEO, I'm the CFO, Chief Franchise Officer, but yes, one of the co-founders uh, of I'm sure North Restoration. You almost gave me a, ra- a raise here real quick. <laughs>
1: well,
2: you know, you are the founder. So really, I mean, you should be the guy I, yeah. making
0: the money, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we've, got, uh, we've got some amazing people and, uh, you know, there's, certainly is more than me that uh, founded this company. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's great to be with you and, and an honor to, uh, to to share a little bit more about True North with you.
2: That's awesome. So Karen and I were talking about your brand as well, of course, before the interview about what a big market you have. Well, let's, let's, before I get into that, I skipped right past it. How did you come about with True North and what really drove you to franchise a model
0: like this? Yeah, so I probably got a little bit of an interesting background when it comes to uh, you know being a franchise founder, because for 12 years I was actually a franchise consultant slash broker, whatever term you want to use there. Mm-hmm. So I had a really what I thought was a really unique perspective, uh, because you know franchisors would come to the, the conferences and, and you know, all the thing, all the events that I would be at. And it was almost like they were lobbyists. And saying, "Hey, this is why you pitch me to your clients," you know. Yeah. Um. So I got to see like the really, really good stuff, and I got to see some of the ugly stuff in franchising.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and, uh, and and for many years that uh, I was uh, with the Frannet organization, uh-huh. and, uh, and and I even had the opportunity to be on their inventory committee. So when a young franchisor was wanting to grow and leverage broker networks, um, we would get a first crack at them and give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down if they were a fit for. Uh, broker group. So, yeah, I got to I got to see a lot of different things and uh, you know, the the time just came around when a, a dear friend of mine, uh, Jay Peters, uh, he had, he had started this company years back in the 80s 1985, but we took what he had had started, hadn't fully developed into a franchise model and took uh, you know, took my my experience in in franchising and a couple other business partners, uh, Justin and Raymond uh, Donut, their brothers out of Colorado, um, and they have a, a strong restoration background. And uh, and Jay said, "Hey, I've got some guys that I've trained in this space. Kind of a, you know, some of them are doing restoration, some of them are doing carpet cleaning. So we we kind of re- we flipped their model, we flipped their name, we made them become franchisees. We didn't make them; they joined us, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. We we've made them sign, uh, you, know, you know, all the paperwork, obviously, but." Uh, but they, they joined us. It was uh, six people, uh, six existing businesses were our first six franchisees, and they all signed with us uh, over a course of about six months. Wow. Um, so we had a quick little ramp up. And uh, so that's, that's kind of the 30,000-foot the view of how True North got started. Okay, cool.
3: Yeah, I love it because, you know, especially when you had all this background, and so that means you must be really bullish on franchising.
0: Very. Yeah. Okay. I grew up in franchising. Yeah. My, yeah. my dad and uncle, you were talking about <laughs> food, and, you know, my dad and uncle owned several pizza franchises growing up. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so
0: my, you know, my first uh, exposure into franchising was uh was a busboy, an unpaid busboy, I think actually. Uh, yeah. So I got to I got to play uh play a pole position in my dad's restaurant. That was my pay or you, you know, the bear claw. They opened it up for me at the end of the night. So that's
3: awesome. Yeah. So, be, oh, go ahead, Kristen. Go ahead. I bet you're going to ask the same question I am I'll go ahead. We were then, talking please. about, right? It was yes, about, exactly. being, you know, we were talking about, so you have this, you've entered this industry and this industry has so many big players in it. And that's got to be that's, pretty, pretty daunting. So how do you, how do you differentiate yourself from others?
0: Well, the thing that is, is amazing about franchising and you know with with you guys on the call here you know this just as well as anybody you know franchising and franchising you have competitors but you don't at the same time because franchising the industry is just how can i help you now to some extent there's a little bit of you know love you with the elbows out but <laughs> <laughs> there's uh you know it, it's really interesting you know even some of our competitors um, you know, when I I went to them because I knew a lot of our competitors mm-hmm. um, because I had shown their brands as a consultant over the years. Right. I helped put, put people into restoration franchises. So yes, I was bullish on the industry. Uh, but when I went to some of the uh, some of the competitors that I'd known, established relationships with, they were they just kind of reached out and said, "Hey, I can help you. Look we'll at you." Started. There's, you know, w- when you awesome. put all the restoration companies together um and you take the big names out there the we call them the green guys and the yellow guys
1: and <laughs> yeah, they're uh, the,
0: they're the big ones uh, yeah. um, i'm not going to say their names out loud but right. you know I, I hold them in high regard um but you know even with them, them having almost 4000 locations and then everybody else you know, lumped together, we still collectively in franchising only do a little more than 20% of the restoration work out there. So there's a lot of room for growth. And even the competitors say, come on in, there's room in in this space for good franchise companies and restoration.
2: Well, I would think especially after you have some of these natural disasters, and you have such um, a dense population of people who are impacted, I mean, those send your your staffing models off the charts. And so the more people who can do what you do is, I mean, critical at those points in
0: time. Oh, yeah. Great point. And, you know, we even uh, – we've got a great relationships with many of our competitors where, you know, we call them up and say, hey, are you – you know, like with the fires that happened in Maui. Yeah. Just absolutely oh. devastating stuff that happened there. Um are you guys going? Well, there was not, there's not a lot for restoration companies to do there. I mean, it was just total destruction. Um, so just, you know, like I said, the horrible what happened there. But other scenarios, you take like uh, you know, a hurricane that, that hit Fort Myers last fall. You know, mm-hmm. we were working with other ones like, hey, guys, we're busy. We can't, you know, we're a young franchise. Our, our All of our franchisees are here and we're maxed out. You, yeah. you want some liens and referrals and we, you know, we take care of each other. That's awesome.
2: So how do you differentiate yourself? Because again, as a broker, like I would want to know as as a broker, how do I position you against some of the other guys, the green guys, the yellow guys, to make your brand really stand out?
0: Yeah, good question. You know, it's interesting because, you know, we all use uh, the same drying techniques for the most part. We're all trained by the IICRC and have those certifications. We use the same equipment you know, it comes from the same places. Um, it's just sometimes are different colors. So you're right. right how you differentiate yourself? Um, you know, what we we do is, you know, I would say that there's a handful of things that make us of a differentiator. Um, I would say one of the things that that draws a lot of people to us as a franchise candidate uh, is just the fact that we're a faith-based company.
4: So mm-hmm.
0: um, that is something. That's who we are. It's uh, it's not certainly not a qualifier for franchise ownership. Right. Um, but you know, we do have uh, you know it's some practices that we say, hey, we know we open a lot of our meetings with our franchisees even in prayer, and it is mm-hmm. uh, you know it's not for everybody, but it's it's who we are. So I would say that's a differentiator. Uh, you know where a lot of there's a lot of franchises out there that are, um, right. but I've been told that we wear it on our sleeve a little bit more, um, which hey, again that's that's who we are. Yeah. so um, so that's that's one thing that kind of makes us a little different. Another thing that makes us a little different, and this is like, so this is where the franchise consultant, you know, background comes into play for me. Now that I'm on this side of the fence, you know, we don't go out and do three packs, 10 packs, 400 packs.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Now that might make a, uh, we, I mean, we have done one three pack out of 16 locations. Uh, and that was for a extremely high qualified. You know, person that just just it was ready to sink a lot of money into it, hire a lot of people, right. um, but you know, we try to really focus on single territory de- de- of development.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget who
0: I-, I think I was talking to a franchise attorney, you know, probably ten years ago or so, and I heard a stat on, you know, the number of sold but not open franchises that are out there, and yeah. I know the SDNO, right?
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> um, that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What what are the what are the state state regulators looking for this year?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. Um,
0: so, you know, that, that kind of drove me nuts. And I saw that, you know, early on as a franchise consultant that a lot of my clients weren't opening up number three and four and five. And it just kind of sat really wrong with me. And I thought, let's just kind of focus on giving somebody really, you know, strong territory. So our territories are a little bit bigger than most of our competitors um but that that was really kind of a focus and we also want to try and help them drive a lot of revenue through that so we do allow our franchisees to take on some larger we like to call it large loss or catastrophe work okay. uh, where some of our competitors would say no you have to hand that off to maybe a sister company or a, a, a more mature franchisee so we a lot of times what we'll do is we'll partner up a newer franchisee with the mature franchisee to run a large loss because that helps them scale the business Pretty quickly, usually. So.
2: Interesting. And that's another
0: differentiator there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and I didn't realize that some of those ask that their franchisees at a certain point use a sister company, whatever. And that's, you know, because I'm part of the neighborly brands. Right. So we've got all kinds of brothers and sisters and neighbors out there that we refer back and forth. So it's actually a very interesting point that you make Um, for. People who are out there who want to talk to Chris about this, I just want to remind you all that our phone number to call in is 323-580-5755. Again, to call in and speak with Chris or one of us is 323-580-5755. Um, Karen, go
3: ahead. I'm sorry. No, That's it's, right it's, it's great. It's, it's interesting because it wanted to kind of play on even, you know, when you were talking about just, just the, the, the um, what would you call it, like the larger, some of the larger events or whatever that they mm-hmm. take care of. And then I think about um, one skill that they probably need is to be collaborative, right? Because you're also talking Mm -hmm. about all the franchisees working together. If I think about that and we talk about what are some of the kind of skills or the types of franchisees that are people that make great franchisees, you know, some of the skills that they have that you're looking for.
0: And and, uh, one of the first ones for us, and, and, uh, you know, a lot of times you hear franchisors say, oh, we're looking for... You know this or that or somebody that's a you know heavy driver and is going to go out marketing thing first thing we really kind of eye in on is empathy because we're one i mean if when we're coming across you know people that have their home or their business damaged um, it, it might be one of the worst days of their lives uh, you know you come home i don't know why but for whatever reason it's when people go on vacation and they're gone for oh, you know five hmm. to seven days they come back with a week yep. started you know, 30 minutes after they left the house um, and their their homes are just destroyed. So, you know, empathy is something that we are always looking for. You know, we can train on, you know, making sure that you get the, uh, the get the water out and you get the humidity, you get the environment stabilized. You know, we can, we can train them on that. Um, but you're, it's hard to train on people caring. You know what I mean? So true. Uh, so that's really one of the things that we, we really focus in on in our franchise development and our process that we take people through.
2: So you talk about um, a little bit how you really work to make sure, and I, I love the idea that, you know, we always talk about let's do it right the first time with one unit and then you can expand, right, rather than that whole buying a 3-pack, a 10-pack, that just, it really does make me sad because people are so e- eager, right? And some come in thinking they're going to change the world and some come in going, Oh, it's so easy. It's, you know, this is a semi absentee business. I can do this. And then as you said, they never get those um, other businesses open. And we dealt with a few people like that. So um, when you look at kind of the average unit volume of some of your franchise locations, what, what are you looking at? What should people kind of, wrap their brains about how much business they're going to be doing because your tickets are pretty large, right?
0: Yeah, they can, they can be real large, you know, in our industry, it's not uncommon that, uh, you know, somebody that's got even some minor damage in their home, it's, you know, two, $3,000. And a lot of times it's closer to $10,000. Yeah. Uh, but it's not uncommon to see things that are six figures, you know, the bigger the home or, uh, you know, a condominium type or apartment situations. Uh, You know, things that have multiple stories, multiple tenants. Um, Yeah, the tickets can be pretty big. And we're in an industry where there's, you know, some really good margins, you know, within our system and uh, in our item 19. Um, And that was from when we just really first got started. Um, We've got some pretty strong numbers. I think uh, (laughs) 1.367-ish million. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um so that those are the numbers. Um, but that like I said, that was only eight of our locations when we first started sure. go, you know, getting up and getting running. Um we've uh, since doubled in size and I can't wait for our new item 19 to come out in the spring. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm kind of like, can we I'm calling my franchise attorney like can we do another Quicker. An <laughs> minute? Can I do a note real quick with something <laughs> on this?
3: So it's fun but, when you're uh, thinking that way. That's great.
1: There is, know, yeah. yeah. So what
3: do you, can you tell us a little
2: bit of anything that's disclosed in the FDD where people are like, you know, this sounds really good. I'd love to do it. Great unit unit sales, but what can I actually make off of it?
0: Yeah. So, well, we don't have any nets in that. So I'm almost, you know, I've been coached by my attorney. Not to say.
2: say. (laughs) So your (laughs) gross margins are around. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, gross. I mean, gross, and that you know, I, I think it's it's fairly safe to say you can even go out and Google this and find it or Chat GPT it. I don't know what the the verb will be there uh, in five <laughs> years from now. But
1: <laughs>
0: Google so yesterday. Um,
1: yeah, but, right. You know,
0: it's it's pretty common in our industry that uh, you know a business can can net 20, 25 percent if they run a clean business
2: that's good because a lot of people you know they think about you know, not only do they have the money to invest which will be our, our next cue for the question but um sure. do they have do they have enough money to invest do they have enough, enough money to survive until they're at break even right and then really what kind of income should they expect to replace if they're giving up their corporate job or you know some other job to buy into this so i think it's always really important to have those honest conversations so people say well you know, in some of these industries you you invest you know hundred thousand dollars and for the first three years you might make twenty five thousand dollars. Well that's a bad deal you know when you're giving mm-hmm. up an eighty thousand a year job. So yeah. um, so in a roundabout way, you know I appreciate you answering that so that we could kind of get to that point. Um, so yeah. can you tell us what does somebody need to have to invest in H North restoration?
0: Yeah, so we put together an $80,000 liquidity uh, requirement and a $250,000 net worth requirement. Now, that's those are pretty low numbers. Mm-hmm. When you look at, and, and I've worked with thousands of people uh, over the course of you know the last 15 years that have been interested in buying a franchise as a uh, as a consultant. So I know that there's a lot of people out there that like, hey, that's a fairly low bar um but it's it's not for everybody so what we what we do and, and we tend to be an equipment heavy business we don't have tons of employees and high high uh payrolls things like that you know we don't have retail locations so it's a you know it's a fairly low investment um mm-hmm. overall you know we're you know i like to, i like to block things off we're a one to two hundred thousand dollar investment roughly um, mm-hmm. our item 19 will show under or our our, uh, our investment shows under it's like i think it's actually 93 to, to 187 yeah. um, but in reality you know somebody's probably going to get into this type of a business and spend 125 150 to get going yeah um, and, and the I think one of the other things that really attracted me to this industry is that you can start really really lean it's a small mm-hmm. location you know even a small equipment package and the jobs as you land a job you can say, okay, I don't have enough. I'm going to say yes to the job, and I know that I can have, you know, the the six dehumidifiers that I need, uh, you know, within 24, 48 hours from a supplier. And, and we put all of those things in place and have negotiated rates for our franchisees to be able to to scale up very quickly. Um, and even from a, a large law standpoint, if they need to scale up, we have some national relationships on the uh, temporary staffing as well. So. Able to you
3: know it, how long does it take to get someone then to get their business to break even because you're talking they scale up fast what would that length of time yeah. be
0: yeah we've had franchisees do it in month one wow wow so yeah huh? uh, i mean so average though right 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 you know <laughs> throw the hail mary and show the <laughs> catch and <in> slow motion <laughs> <laughs> but no it's uh you know on average um i think it's You can see in the industry again, it's not our item 19, but it's, it's very common. If you just do some simple search online, um, that if you, if you run real lean business to get started, and that's what we coach our franchisees to do, Mm -hmm. uh, you can break even in three to six months, you know?
2: Wow. That's awesome.
0: So again, kind of coming back to some of the higher margins, the higher tickets that we run, and like I said, a low labor model. Wow. Um, and the ability to scale real quickly, and, and like I said, we're not collecting on a lot of franchise fees. We're we're actually saying save that money, and use it for marketing. Save that money, and use it for equipment or something else. That's
3: uh, really I'm interested. So start thinking about this because you you said that they don't need that many employees, and they don't. You know, so then, are they truly a franchisee that is working in the business? I mean, they're the ones then that are there on, you know, on location, kind of doing some of the work. Or kind of tell me how, how does how does that work? Because you know, some franchises will say, as Kristen sure. said, you know, they're they just want to be kind of absent. This isn't one obviously this isn't a type of franchise like that, but are they the ones that are on call twenty four seven? Are they the ones that are there?
0: Yeah. No, good question. and and, and I would even say is there actually a single semi-absentee franchise out
1: there.
0: I used to teach a, a class at, in St. Louis at uh, one of the local colleges um, in, in partnership with the SBA and, and uh, SBDC in that market and uh, and it was about semi-absentee franchising and I challenged that because franchisors have uh, gotten very very loose with that term oh, you know, yeah? I would say in the last Five to ten years. We do uh, More so, I'd say the last five years. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean so, that's their um, market, no, right?
0: <laughs> Yeah, they are. They're they're selling, and yeah. uh, and, and that's you know it's, it's good to grow, but uh, do it ethically too. So, <laughs> Karen, you asked the question, and I went down a rabbit hole, and, I, that's, and okay. <laughs> that's okay.
3: That's okay. Because we're always trying to figure that out, too, because people talk about that, you know, and then how you were describing this. I'm like, no, this is somebody that really.
0: Oh, yeah. The owner's role.
3: Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we do have the ability, a little bit of a hybrid uh, option. So some of our franchisees will want to, you know, just kind of be in the trenches. And and let's be honest, we're not in a glamorous business. Uh, When when pipes back up and basements fill up, it's not. glorious (laughs) 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 glorious
4: <laughs> 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 until you get
0: it paid. Uh, yes. But, uh, you know, so yeah, you know, a lot of people that are, are, uh, you know, have been high up in the food chain and the C-suite, you know, they might not find what we do um, very appetizing. Uh, but, you know, some of the, we do want them to really have an understanding of what the business is like, but we want to get them out. Uh, if they do go into that, um, it's a little bit more hands-on in the beginning with just two or three employees. Um, we we want to get them out of that role pretty quickly and help them, you know, uh, I know it's cliche to say it, but work on the business, not in it, but it, I mean, that's really what we want them to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we do have the ability to help somebody who is, uh, you know, maybe has the ability financially to come in, hire a general manager, hire some marketers, hire project managers, you know, lead technicians, things like that. They want to scale that. And and, and we've got one one franchise location that we're doing that right now as well. Uh, but that gives them the ability not to be in the trenches, not to be there answering the phone 24-7. But like I said, this is a business that can scale pretty quickly. Uh, so, you know, we, our goal is to get them out of that role.
2: Well, 17 years ago when I chose my cleaning toilet uh, job, I will say that one of the businesses that uh, my gal, my broker pitched me was restoration. And I had come out of the home improvement industry, people were freaking out because they're having a kitchen remodel that didn't finish on Mm -hmm. time, right? And, you know, companies coming and I was like, oh my gosh, kind of traumatized. So when she talked about restoration, I thought, oh my gosh, I can't go into this situation where people are like freaking out on me 24-7 because these disasters are really, I mean, devastating, right? Totally different than your countertops are not in. We have put that in perspective Mm -hmm. for people. But one of the other restoration companies we talked about, I I had told him my opinion, and he was like, yeah, but, you know, that's not how people see you when you arrive after a disaster. Can you tell me a little bit about what that's like when your team arrives to a home after they've had a disaster? What's that interaction like?
0: Yeah, you know, um, when you think about it, it's, you know, their castle you know, has been invaded. It's been damaged. It's, it's their life is in disarray. I mean, down to, you know, are we going to be able to make uh, you know dance class or baseball practice on time? Because, you know, it's like everything is just, you know, bees are buzzing. Um, And and so that's where, you know, kind of to come back to the empathy thing uh, in in our process. And we're looking for that, Um, you know, to be able to come in and just say, Hey, it's okay. I know this is your world and it's been flipped upside down, but today it's, it's, it's Thursday. It's Thursday for us. This and we're is what here we'll to do. help you, right? We got your back. You know, if they're comfortable, we'll put our hand on their shoulder. We'll say, Hey, it's okay. We got this. Yeah. It's going to be just fine. And, and just to comfort them in that. But, you know, there's, I, I would say there's a, bit, a piece of this business that uh, is very much counseling.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You kind of walk in with an S on your chest, right? <laughs> <laughs>
5: like the supermans we are
0: it,
1: not it's true we, yeah well
5: i heard and it's
0: interesting you mentioned that because there's a lot of time like uh, especially when we get to catastrophe situations um you know that's on a whole nother level when it's not just their castle that has been damaged it's the entire community um i'll never forget i, I had a I had a really impactful moment uh, last year when we were down, um, in Fort Myers at the hurricane, you know, we were working our, we, you know, sometimes we would keep our own projects, just the, uh, the true north headquarters. We had a, a large, uh, uh, condo complex right on the beach in Fort Myers and I was taking a break and, and, uh, just kind of looking around and across the street where these homes are located. I see a lady, sitting there and she's, she's got one of those, you know, those plastic chairs you can get at a dollar store when they stack, yep. you know, ones I'm talking about. Yep. It was really kind of all she had left. And she's just moving it around and trying to place it, but mm-hmm. kind of in a little bit of a zombie, you know, mode, yeah. like her world was just completely destroyed. I don't know if she lost pets. I don't know if she lost a family member. I don't know. Right. But you're going into it, and it's it, it can be like I said. There's a little bit of a counseling component that can be involved in what we do.
2: I have to think that some of the faith-based um, threads that you kind of weave through your company have to help with that a little bit. I mean, you and think it, about people who one minute are on the top of their wor- top of the world, they're living at the beach, and within a moment they're homeless. Yeah.
1: yeah. But you not
3: you can't prepare so, yeah. for that you know no <laughs> no explanation exactly. for it exactly so do you work do who calls you is it the insurance companies or who do you even market to you know thinking about so someone has – cuz usually I know when I'd had I've had flooding which is terrible i mean that's just you're right you're just it just it just turns everything upside down and sure. so who i called like my insurance company so is that what happens typically
0: yeah, a lot of times, you know, that, that's the situation where, you know, we're a referred partner uh, because the, the insurance uh, agent or adjuster or somebody knows us and trusts us uh, and therefore will refer us or one of our franchisees in their communities. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's plumbers because sometimes <laughs> you got a fountain running in your basement or, or in your house. You know, who do you call first? It's probably not us. You're probably thinking, just get the plumber to turn those off
1: yeah exactly yeah there's a lot of different
0: yeah right yeah we work with a lot of uh property maintenance uh people across the country facilities managers things like that
2: so because i've been working in toilets i'm like hey this isn't really a bad deal and i'm sure ray's thinking wow maybe we should have done something like this right (laughs) um but but it makes me think like um oh gosh don't tell me it happened to me just like it happened to you where my blank red brain goes blank oh i know there's got to be a lot of knowledge that I need to learn as a new business owner in True North Restoration. What Can you just kind of give me a brief overview of what would my training look like? Because I'm excited. I mean, I think it sounds like a good value business to buy into. It's something people are always going to need, so very consistent in the services segment. But there's got to be a lot I have to learn.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to learn, um, you know, and, and you can't learn it all at once. So it has to be absorbed. You know, this and any other business is, you know, any other franchise. When you, you're surrounded by experts and other franchisees who are wanting to help you be successful too, you know, it it certainly is a drinking from the fire hose uh, type of thing. <laughs> but uh, you know, in franchising, you, uh, you know, you've got a lot of again, you know, good support in place and other franchisees. That's one of the things that we've actually really tried to uh, to, to put together and emphasize. You know, when I had studied. All the different franchise systems and even as a franchisee myself, you know, I recognize that some of the value and the royalty that I was paying every month wasn't just the support I was getting from the franchisor, but just to have access to all the other franchisees. So we've tried to make it uh, a really a part of the training and support and just the comfort level of franchisees, new ones, uh, being able to reach out to the mature ones. Um, certainly we do all, you know, all the training, you know, they come to St. Louis at our headquarters and, and do a full blown training, uh, with Fredonat, our trainer, who's started two True North locations himself. Um, so, you know, we do a lot of that. And then there's even third party training that people will go through just to get that certification that is recognized by the insurance industry. So, you know, but you can kind of break some of that stuff up, uh, mm-hmm. so that you can, you know, take it in smaller chunks.
2: Awesome, and I'm sure people could find all that information in your FDD um, if they're interested in, in looking at True North. Can you tell me, just as the last question, what is the one part, one section in your FDD that you think people really should sink their teeth into and read that would be most impactful when making a decision to buy True North Restoration?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, as a as a franchise consultant for years. You know, I always heard people say, oh, item 19 is the most important. Oh, item six. Oh, item seven. <laughs> yeah. uh, item 20. <laughs> item 20, baby. Talk to the franchisees. Um, and we make our franchisees so accessible to franchise candidates. Um, and our franchisees are excited to talk and they share. We have, you know, structured calls where they can talk about a bunch of things. They have one-on-one calls where they talk about everything you know, especially financials. Item item twenty in ours. we, we have you know, I, I'm just proud of our franchisees, obviously, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sing their praises all day long, uh, because okay. they are true north. You know, we get we get to, you know, have the logo hold on, reverse over here.
1: <laughs> we get to
0: have the logo and we get to market, we get to do fun stuff like this, but at the end of the day, true north is our franchisees. I love
3: it.
2: wow that is so awesome i've got a little chills because really (laughs) there's not a lot of of founders who will say you know what we are successful because of franchisees i've heard people say oh if you're a founder be prepared because your franchisees will never work as hard as you do and i'm thinking
1: really i don't know i work
2: pretty hard (laughs) so i think that's great i think that really speaks volumes about you and the company that you you and your partners have built and i want to thank you so much for being on today if people want to um, chat with you or your fabulous friend, Stephanie uh, Ryan, who I love, how do they get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So easiest way is just to, you know, north.com. So go true north, baby. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but, yeah, okay. Stephanie okay.
0: is on the leading edge of, uh, you know, talking to all of our, our candidates. She is absolutely amazing. Um, she, she's just fantastic, and uh, she doesn't sell. She just teaches, and she says, "Hey, we're all big boys and girls, and you can decide yep. if we're fit or not." So. Well, you awesome nailed that right it. on
2: the mark.
3: <laughs> I love yeah. the culture. I love the culture that you've built, yeah. and, thank and you. just some of the yeah. values you've brought into it. It's really, that's wonderful. Yeah, we wish you all the well, best, you and much. you
2: know, hopefully in 2024 will be a great year for you. And towards the end of next year, we'll be having you on again to talk about how you've catapulted past your goals for the upcoming year.
0: I'd love to to give you that update.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. We'll be right right. back. Thank you very much. We'll be right back with Ray Tiller after this.
0: Fifty graduates resulting in seven new franchisees owning eight franchise brands, more than a dozen skilled graduates who are employees of franchise companies, all of them having earned a concentration in franchising exclusively granted by the Titus Center at Palm Beach Atlantic University, plus more than 80 franchise professionals on our advisory board, the Titus Center for Franchising is on fire in West Palm Beach, Florida. What do you need to join us? My students want to hear from you. They may even want to buy your franchise or work for your company. TitusCenter.com.
2: And there was our good friend, Mr. Dr. John Hayes. Can I say Mr. Doctor? I think it's just Dr. John Hayes, right, Ray? I think so. <laughs> hey, welcome back. We haven't seen or heard from you in like. I
4: know. I know. I, you know, and it's great to be back. I, I think the meeting that we had yesterday uh, at JL's office was fantastic. It was great to see all the the wonderful franchise owners there, including a, a new fellow that came on board recently. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I want to talk about is I was under the impression when I was looking at a franchise 20 years ago that it was yep. kind of cutthroat. And it's what I've learned is not. It's absolutely mm-hmm. the opposite. I mean, we all help each other out, even uh, different brands. You know, oh, it, sure. it, it's a, it, it's amazing because uh, we're all entrepreneurs and business owners. And, and uh, our, our goal, is of course, is, is, is to uh, make money. And yep. that's what it's all about. Well, not quite. But you know,
2: I, mean, no, I don't want I want to um make sure I clarify for people who are like, what in the heck's he talking about JL's office and a new owner? So <laughs> one of the things that Chris had referenced, um, you know, our company tends to do really well as well, and that is building teamwork and camaraderie. And what Ray was referencing that we had yesterday was a co-op meeting of all the Chicago Molly Maid owners. And so we come together quarterly to talk about, you know, local marketing strategies and any issues that are going on with staffing and um, all kinds of different stuff, whether it would be, you know, yesterday we talked about insurance and how to leverage our group to uh, get better rate chemical supplies and all of that stuff that your franchisor helps with. Yes. But then as a local market, you can do so, you know, just wanted to make sure you understood that that is yet another benefit to franchising that you don't have if you're your own business owner. Um, often you are that cutthroat with the guy with the you know shop across the street, and in franchising you're all in it together, and I think that makes a big difference. So thanks for pointing that out, Ray.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know the new owner Scott. You know, he asked me, what What do I need to do? What uh, What can you do as a new owner? And I said, Well, first of all, watch pillars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. there. And then I said, uh I was unequivocally, you can ask any one of us that are in this room right now for help and they will help you with a you know.
1: Yep. Yep, absolutely. Birth. Yeah. And I, I
4: you don't even have to I don't even have to ask them. Will you help them? No. I know everyone will help. Yeah, you know, for but, sure. Well, I'm
2: surprised. I thought you would have told him that building his culture and retention were his number one goals, because that's really what you normally say,
4: right? Employee retention. This is what I want to talk about. And the reason I want to do is because we're celebrating our 20th year this month. Wow. And, and, you know, I walked into the office, I was gone for six weeks, and and Barely talk to anybody in the office. I mean, I, my my crew is fantastic. They run that office as if I was there, but I'm not. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know. So uh, they did a fantastic job. But I walked into the office and uh, and a lot of the employees were there. Ray, it's good to see you. It's fantastic. And um, a young lady who's been there for 18 years came up to me and gave me a hug and said, "It's good to see you." <laughs> and, Eighteen
2: years of cleaning toilets and, and really yeah. other people's – the messes is that nobody else at home wants to clean up, and this gal yeah. has been there for 18
4: years. Wow. Yeah, and she she loves her job. I know she does, you know, you know as, yeah. as uh, so many of the employees that we have. And, of course, with 40 employees and going through COVID, we had some, some people leave, but still there's the core that's been there for a long yeah. time. And uh, I think it, it's interesting to watch – uh employees come in and apply for the job because uh, we we post pictures of all the employees uh, all around the room and they'll call walk in and they'll say oh i know her i know (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know and she yeah she lives a couple doors down you know Uh it's it's kind of neat to to, to see that and uh and we're going to be celebrating uh of course thanksgiving we we celebrate it with a uh, potluck every year
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And, and then uh, the managers. I'm going to take the managers out this this coming week and, and celebrate our 20 year anniversary.
2: Awesome. Well, and t- tell me, what do you think attributes to keeping people like her for such a long period of time? What are some of the things that you do to really help retention, or what I other people might be able to easily apply?
4: We we can. I think the best way to describe describe our office, uh, our our culture in the office is is really good. But we're we're transparent. We we don't hide anything. There's nothing to hide, you know. And mm-hmm. it, it's it's funny. I, I think that any one of the employees knows that they can uh, talk to any one of the managers, including myself. If if I'm in, uh, you know, the door is always open. And uh, you know, sometimes the uh, some of the employees rather talk to me rather than their direct manager, which is fine. You know, I don't mm-hmm. care. But, you know, I may ask, did you speak to, you know, so-and-so about this situation? She says, no, I I didn't feel comfortable doing that. I want to talk to you. Fine. Yeah. Ever. you know. (laughs) Yeah. We we love it.
2: That's awesome. Well, congratulations on 20 years. Uh, Can't believe, I mean, I'm behind you a couple years, but not far.
1: Yeah,
4: I know.
2: And and I want to point out for everybody, when you hear Ray's been gone for six weeks and he hasn't talked to anybody in the office, I don't call that semi-absentee for Ray. That's just (laughs) semi-retirement, right? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And your exit strategy, as we talk about a lot, and we're going to have um, someone on here in the next couple weeks talking about, you know, beginning with the end in mind, and nod to you, Karen, over there, but um, Mm -hmm. making sure that when you buy your franchise, you also understand when the time comes to move on, what does that look like? And for you, Ray, you've chosen to integrate your sons into your business to ensure that when you're gone, you've got that baton and it creates generational wealth. You can pass that Mm -hmm. baton down and know that the business is safe and secure right as you left it.
4: Yes. Yes. And and that's not easy to do sometimes, but because uh, you hear of, of a lot of people who are selling their businesses uh, after one or two generations down. And and then you also hear one that's been coming from New England. We uh, when I say coming from off vacation, uh we were talking to some people who have been in, you know, seventeen the farms that have been in their genera- in their family for seventeen generations. So <laughs> Tell
2: me but I'm watching Yellowstone, I'm hooked and you just had that conversation.
4: Uh, yeah. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about and so you know it, it can happen uh, yep. but you've got to work at it just like anything else just like keeping your employees you've got to work at it yeah uh, uh, Chris mentioned faith-based and and that's what we are uh, yep. in our office and I know that not every one of our offices are that way and not every one of our employees are that way so some of some of them uh, you know will bow their heads when we pray for in the beginning of a meeting, and some will walk around and do whatever they have to do that's they're free to do that you know we don't uh uh we don't say everybody has to you you know pray at every every time we have right. so uh and I think that's important part of because we we i know that i i owe a lot to uh my faith in in my business and and uh and, and its success uh so I want to share that, and I think that's uh, one of the reasons God put me on this earth is to help share that.
2: (laughs) Well, I know you do a great job up there because, um, you know, you just don't have employees with that long of tenure doing the jobs that they're doing, and they, they stick around. So I want to thank you for always, as always, being such a great mentor on the show and in person. And You're one of the people that I got to know when I first bought. So you certainly, when you talk about this on the show, you're not just talking about it. You actually walk the talk. So I appreciate that about you, and I hope you have a great week. Thank you. And I think Fred's going to wrap us up here really soon. And there we go. It's wrapped. wrap is what that means when it's just me. And I'd like to thank you all for joining us on the show, show today. Be sure to stay tuned next week as we return with our contributor segment. We've got Jerry Akers who will be coming back after uh, quite some time on the road working with some emerging brands. He's got some exciting things to talk about on that front, as well as some involvement that he's had with IFA and of course Washington, D.C. I'd like to thank all of our million dollar mentors who have franchise news and bring it to us, it to us every week from Ray Killer to Karen Kimsey Ford. Jerry Akers, and of course, Laura List, our franchise lawyer that is on staff and will be back joining us again soon, all that they do. And a special shout out to Fred McMurray, who without him, this show would not be on over 40 different platforms, beginning on Fridays at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on YouTube and beyond then, any channel that you happen to look for for podcasts, you will find us. Uh, So don't be afraid to take a look and see where you might find us next from Apple to um, Help Me Out, Uh, Audible, or any of those others. So I apologize for coming to you today, but I hope you have a great week. Thank you again. This has been an episode of Pillars of
5: Franchising. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, all the good (laughs) ones. Thank you.
2: (laughs) I'm running out of words and and voice. Thank you. I'll see you next week. (laughs)
1: Thank <laughs> you.